before then it was just something I lived with or felt like I, I just lived with, like I have asthma, you know, like it's just something I have. I realized through the process that it's, you don't need to have symptoms, you know, you can, you, you can actually um, get through them with the right tools. Hello and welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. We bring you interviews from people who have conquered the trickiest of health challenges using the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition philosophy and similar healing modalities. You're going to hear from experts who have been through the ringer with their health issues and yet managed to come out on the other side. If you're interested in natural healing and or functional medicine, congrats, you are in the right place. You can always visit us at functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com. But for now, here is today's episode. All right, what is going on, my friends? And welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. My name is Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. Well, we're talking to someone across the world. This is our first interview with someone who is currently and presently in the country of Australia. Her name is Rhoda Schofield, and she's a certified functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner as well as a personal trainer. Now, Rhoda is one of those people who is kind of the epitome of the type of person that comes into the world of FDN and then chooses to do this as work. She is someone who has dealt with a variety of different health symptoms and issues, and then you guys know how this goes. They end up going from doctor to doctor, practitioner to practitioner, trying to figure this stuff out. But it turns out it's the treating of these things specifically that does not work so well. And that's why at FDN, we don't treat anything specifically. We're addressing everything in a nonspecific fashion with the faith that when the body is healthy, and if we can do the things to make the body healthy, the health symptoms are going to go away. A healthy body, if it's truly healthy, cannot have symptoms by definition, all right? So, Rhoda specializes in helping busy entrepreneurs fix their spiraling health issues so that they can optimize their health and get back to living their A-game again. Rhoda has personally overcome chronic asthma, migraines, digestion issues, acne, allergies, bloating, fatigue, anxiety, weight issues, and now helps others overcome similar symptoms and truly become the healthiest versions of themselves in the long run. Again, someone that is the total epitome of what we're talking about here, and this just proves that this is a result and a problem of the modern world. It's not just the USA, although the USA, I would say, is particularly bad with this. It's not just Canada. It's not just the UK. Where we are seeing modernized lifestyles, we are seeing more and more health issues, and especially people with all these different symptoms, and yet no one can get an answer. So they got to come to the world of functional healthcare. So we are going to talk about how Rhoda finally overcame these things and now is helping others do the same with the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Certification. Without further ado, let's get to the episode. All right. Hey there, Rhoda. Thanks so much for being here with us today. Hi, Evan. It's great to be here. Yes, very excited across the world right now interview, so that's pretty cool. You're in Australia, correct? Yes, I am. So it's All right. uh, the afternoon, your time, but it's actually early in the morning on a Sunday here. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you hopping on on a Sunday for us here. <laughs> um, at the same time, too, I think this might be... We've had people from all around the world, but I don't know if anyone's ever been actually physically in Australia um, when doing this show. So that's kind of cool. Nice little milestone there. But we will get this rolling with the same question that we always do on this show. And that's just as simple as when did your health symptoms begin and what did they look like? Because I see from the bio that you overcame quite a few things on your health journey. Yeah. So I guess I realize now that my symptoms started as a baby. <laughs> so I was, uh, I had chronic asthma uh, right from the age of about one um, onwards up until sort of my mid-30s. So I would, I would say that it actually started, it started then um, and then slowly got worse over time. Okay. And what symptoms exactly like were we looking at at the time? Like what's some of the first things that came in? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I had chronic asthma and so it was something that wasn't in my family at all. So um, yeah, so I, I was kind of in and out of hospital for most of my childhood um, mm. and it got slightly better as I got older, but 
definitely uh, had to live with um, with asthma right up until my mid thirties. Um, and um, but then I kind of feel like my health journey um, there was just lots of layers. So it sort of started with with the asthma, and then um, when I was a, when I was in high school, I started getting quite debilitating migraines, um, and found it was very health. It was very uh, food triggered. Mm-hmm. Um, but then sometimes it wasn't like I would just get, and, and that would kind of put me out for days. Um, and yeah, so that kind of started around high school and then, um, I started to get quite, um, di- digestive issues. Um, and I know that's quite a broad term, but, um, <clears throat> that's probably the best way to kind of simply explain it, um, in my twenties, um, and then in my 30s, everything sort of got progressively worse. So I had all of those sort of three main things and then started getting like acne, uh, never had acne before, um, even when I was, you know, hormonal in high school. Um, and then it was, then I started getting quite like neurological issues. So just feeling just anxiety, depression, just feeling really quite sad all the time and, um, Whenever I was stressed, I would get quite kind of um, really noticeable, like heart palpitations, and um, and it was kind of just slowly everything was slowly getting worse. Um, I actually the sort of what actually tipped me over was um, I started to gain weight, um, and it, weight was never been an issue for me, um, and. The, and on top of that, I was not getting, I just didn't have the energy to go to the gym anymore. So, um, and the gym was a real anchor for me and I was really not getting results there. So that was kind of my tipping point um, where I actually knew something was wrong. And it was only when I went, I actually went to a health coach saying, I don't think there's anything wrong with me, but I'm not getting any results in the gym anymore. So I just want to just get checked out. So that was kind of the way I, <laughs> but I didn't realize that, um, all of my symptoms, like right from when I was like a baby, uh, it was all like kind of was all connected to um, where I was at. And mm-hmm. um, and so um, really like when I actually did see um, a health coach um, with very similar principles to FDM, um, my whole world kind of changed at that point. Okay. I love what you said about um, the tipping point and it being the weight thing, because that's just a good way to describe it. I'm probably going to start stealing that from now on because, well, and I'm serious because in these interviews and just stories that I've heard from being a part of this community for five years now, everyone has this like subjective limit more or less, which is where they finally draw the line. I'm going to go figure this stuff out. And sometimes it's not what you think. There are people that deal with cancer for years and that's not their tipping point. It might be something like, wait, um, for myself, I dealt with severe cystic acne that would have like literally gotten anyone over that line. Mm. But just for whatever reason, probably because I had it for so long or something, that wasn't my tipping point. My tipping point was when I got this diagnosis of Meniere's disease, which is like an inner ear thing. Um, that was causing vertigo. And in many ways, that was not my worst symptom. <laughs> my worst symptom was the mental health. My worst symptom was the cystic acne, but yet that was my subjective tipping point. And I think that matters. Um, and I encourage people to try to do their best to have an earlier tipping point than some of us, right? Mm-hmm. We, we stack a lot of things on and it's really amazing how much we can just let go. Um, and I'm fully in this boat. I did this myself before we wake up one day and we just realize, wow, like, okay, there's quite a few things wrong here, isn't there? Like maybe I maybe I should get this checked out. Yeah. Um, and I think this has to do even more with like the paradigm that's clearly a worldly thing because I talk to people again all over the world and they all have this same issue for the most part. You know, where you're talking to this health coach, it's not like you're a stupid person, but you're going in thinking there's nothing wrong where now from your perspective as an FDN probably, if you saw someone with those symptoms, you would know instantly there has to be some metabolic chaos going on or something similar. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. And I think um, one thing that through my health journey, I realized um, just how unaware I was of my body. You know, like Mm. there was, my body was screaming at me to like say that there was something wrong with all of those symptoms. And, um, and it was really something quite superficial that made me go to see a health coach originally, you know, so, um, and it was only through the process that I realized it was all linked and, um, it was before then it was just something I lived with or felt like I I just lived with, like I have asthma, you know, like it's just something I have. Um, and, um, I realized through the process that it's, you don't need to have symptoms, you know, you can 
you, you can actually um, get through them with the right tools. Now, one thing I'd love to hone in on just for a moment is the idea of going to this health coach, because these are such special moments to me in the show, because I like to just, I really like to help people out there that might be suffering, see what it was like for the other individual. How did you end up at a health coach? Because not everyone does that. Mm. Some people that I know uh, that are very intelligent people, it's not like I'm not condemning them by any means. I don't know what this quality is yet necessarily. Um, I have a hint because I've I've done enough interviews, but I, I still haven't pinpointed it exactly why some people do this and some people don't. Because Rhoda, you probably know people like this. They go to their grave mm-hmm. with the health issues and they never went away from the mainstream narrative, even if it wasn't working for them. So how did you go from maybe going to, uh, I don't know if you were going to a bunch of doctors or all this stuff originally, I'm sure you did to get some of these diagnoses. Mm-hmm. How do you go from there to a health coach? What What transition to allow you to do that? Yeah, interestingly, I didn't go to many doctors. Obviously, with asthma, it was something I was living with. So I I, I, very, I kind of just used to go to doctors to get prescriptions filled and that sort of thing. But okay. Okay. for me, um, at the time, I was a personal trainer. Um, and um, I was also kind of I was very much in the fitness health, in the fitness space. I thought I was healthy, uh, and I thought I was kind of uh, following. Um, and and to a degree, I was maybe compared to the average person with my knowledge of of things. But I realized, and so I was following um, the, my health coach. He's also a, um, he was also a fitness trainer, and he had a gym in Melbourne. And um, and I um, and I was just following him. Uh, he was quite focused on um, gut health and reading blood markers and that kind of thing. Really, the data around what you can get through blood work really fascinated me. Um, and so I really just kind of followed him. Um, and, um, yeah, and just kind of followed what he was doing and just found it really interesting. And for me, I actually went to him obviously for my own personal, but then at the same time I thought, Oh, maybe I could help my clients this way, you know, like I was from a, from a personal training perspective. So it was kind of, yeah, this kind of, uh, I went in thinking, there was nothing wrong with me and maybe I can help clients through this journey. And then I kind of came out realizing um, that I had a lot to learn. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Well, I'm glad you, I'm still glad you caught it when you did. Did you ever, I mean, I guess technically asthma does classify in the autoimmune category. Uh, I'm curious though, did any other autoimmune illness ever strike you? Because I just, again, observationally from the list of symptoms that you've dealt with, usually I see someone ending up with an autoimmune disease eventually. Yes. He said I was on the, um, on the, on the, on the edge of getting one. Um, for me, what he picked up, um, was, um, I had extremely, um, over um, unbalanced bacterial issues in my gut. I also had um, SIBO um, and candida um, and, um, yeah, just that opportunistic bacteria overgrowth. So really like kind of lots of imbalances on that front. Um, so, um, yeah, so I think I was – I think I just caught it before I, before I got um, any type of autoimmune um, triggers. Um, Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, and just for anyone listening that there might be confusing with, I, I, I want to be clear. I was not saying asthma is an autoimmune disease. It's just so typically, um, although Western medicine might not look at it this way, mm-hmm. um, I have found this is in this same category almost. Like, again, and all the symptoms that you had, it's like, oh, my goodness. It's like, yeah, how long before the autoimmune comes out? Yeah. Uh, because it's just it's the classic stuff. You got the skin stuff. You got the migraines. You got the digestive stuff. There's other things going on. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, and I... This is another thing, again, almost just anecdotally or observationally from the years of talking to people. It, it seems as if we really ideally are in a much better place if we never push the line of getting into that autoimmune state. Mm-hmm. I, I could be wrong, but what I found is that it seems that people who cross that line, they have to be significantly more restrictive long term mm-hmm. because it's almost like every time they cheat, for, at least for some period of time, you can heal, but for some period of time, they trigger the autoimmune disease again. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, all right, cool. If we have these symptoms, we can get them down and like, yeah, you can go out and enjoy yourself every now and then. You don't have to be a crazy person with all the food for a year at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not going to automatically lead to an autoimmune disease. So mm-hmm. my my mom dealt with one. I dealt with one. I highly encourage people to you know take proactive action with this stuff as early as possible. And 
this is just an education thing, right? It's it's like we were talking about. Even myself, I didn't look at myself as unhealthy for the longest time uh, because I wasn't overweight. And I don't mean that as an insult to anyone who's overweight. It's just that I, in my head, being unhealthy was being overweight, mm. and I was a skinny guy. So, oh yeah, I can have cystic acne and depression and panic attacks and sinusitis and all this other stuff going on, but I'm healthy, you know, by Western medicine standards, and uh, that is obviously not the case. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, healthy um, to me used to be no sim, like you know, like kind of. I didn't. I was in like if I was unhealthy, it was um, it was when you were in hospital or had to see a doctor a lot, and that was that sure. wasn't me, you know. So um, yeah, it's funny. Um, the definition of healthy is different is different for a lot of for most people. Um, <laughs> so so yeah. all right, you're working um, with this health coach who does something similar enough to FDN, right? Maybe yeah, philosophy right. wise or pretty similar. What were because you had these realizations where you're like, wow, I actually do have stuff going on. Um, I don't know that we've gotten into any specifics per se. Like, what were some of these uh, realizations specifically? Like, was it certain things on the labs that he ran? Um, what what led you to believe, wow, I, I do have some things to work on here? Yeah. Um. So my hormones were all over the place. I had um. Yeah, like pretty much all of my markers were just not right. So I had quite high testosterone, quite low estrogen, like kind of everything was just really out of balance hormonally. Um, I had quite, um, I had my, um, from a gut perspective, so all of my, um, all of my markers, again, were quite out. So I had quite a lot of opportunistic bacteria, which is like bacteria that shouldn't be there, was there. Mm -hmm. um, and then also my normal bacteria, this bacteria that's meant to be there, was really low. So like I kind of, so I kind of had like a real oversupply of what I didn't need and an undersupply of what I did. Um, and then um, as well as that, I had yeast issues. So candida um, that, um, had been there for quite a while. Um, and, um, what I was told, um, then I had, um, classic symptoms of leaky gut and IBS, um, as well as, um, SIBO. So small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, lots going on there. Um, and it actually, um, it actually took about, it took about three protocols. So about a year to be able to, um, kind of have all of that balanced out um, and that was a real kind of focused approach like once I was in I was really in um, and um, and what I found was um, he told me so many things that I didn't really believe at the time so for example he said that um, I was showing signs of malnourishment so signs that I wasn't eating enough but for me, like that didn't seem, that didn't sound right because I was gaining weight. So it was like, how can I not be eating enough and gaining weight? You know, so it's <laughs> yep. you know, like. And then um, the other thing he was saying was that um, was that he felt like I was overtraining at the gym. And again, I just didn't believe that because I was like, I can't even finish my workouts. Like, how can I be overtraining? You know, like so. <laughs> so it was just lots of um, lots of questioning, and I was, uh, but I just really put my trust in him because. Um, what I was doing without him wasn't working. So I just kept on having to remind myself of that. Um, <clears throat> and I'm so glad I did because what happened was um, over that sort of 12-month period, and I know that sounds like a long time, but I was 36 at the time. And, you know, I'd been, for my whole 36 years, I'd been living with all of, with a lot. Um, so I kind of, if you think about it from relative terms, taking a year to get better how amazing is the body, you know, like yeah, yeah. 36 years of, um, of not treating it, I, you know, in a, not treating it right um, to kind of just putting a bit more thought into, into everything. Um, and then um, the weight kind of my, all of my excess weight just naturally went, even though I was eating more and training less. <laughs> um, wow. And, um, and just all of my symptoms went like I, uh, like now I'm 42 uh, and have been kind of um, just maintaining now really um, and now I'm I'm in shape uh, energy is not a problem um, I don't have asthma anymore I don't even own a, an asthma puffer anymore um, wow. I, <laughs> um, I, um, I don't have acne my skin's really clear um, my um all of the neurological issues that's the, that was the massive thing that i didn't realize was an issue like i um i really feel like a real veil has lifted 
um, from my from my brain. I'm able to concentrate more. I definitely don't have any um, anxiety issues. Um, so neurologically, it was a massive massive change in my in me, and my whole life got better because of it. You know, when you have that positive, more positive attitude, it's just things just fall into place. Um, yeah. Digestive issues, not an issue anymore. Um, so everything's kind of just balanced out um, and um, over that time. So it, I would say it, it was a massive lifestyle change, I would say, you know, like kind of giving up alcohol, kind of all of that sort of stuff. Like was just, it was a massive lifestyle change, but I was ready. And I think that um, if you're going through this journey, you just have to be ready um, and um, to put that work in. Um, but the benefits far outweigh the work that you've got to do, I think. Okay. Wow. So many good things there. Um, yeah. one I got to ask is, so just to be clear for the audience, what age were you diagnosed with asthma? Like roughly speaking, oh, and then what uh, age did you no longer deal with this and need the asthma inhaler? Um, probably from about the age of one, <laughs> I was, um, I started getting asthma. Um, and then at... We started my journey at 36, so at around 38 um, was when I I just I just didn't need a puffer anymore at all, not even before exercise or anything like that. So wow, yeah, yeah, that's just absolutely incredible. I I mean it. I don't think it ever is going to get old to me hearing what the body is capable of and these kinds of stories of healing and just. I mean, most people would say that this is not possible, right? That that could, like, you're always going to live with that. It's just like, it's not even close to true. You dealt with this for decades mm -hmm. and were able to get this resolved and under control eventually. Mm -hmm. um, and not by ever treating the symptom. No one at FDN, or I'm sure that functional health coach is yeah. saying, oh yeah, Rhoda, we're going to treat the asthma. No, it's the exact opposite. We're not going to treat the asthma at all. Yeah. We're going to address the things in the body that are going wrong. And by definition, a healthy body does not have asthma. Yeah. <laughs> so then it becomes pretty... Uh, simple, not easy, but simple after that. All right, we just need to do the right things over a sustained period of time. And here we go. Mm. Um, I also love what you said about uh, <laughs> the personal, like just because you have this personal trainer mindset, right? Because you were in that and you're like, wait a second, I'm not overtraining or doing all this stuff, right? Yeah. We have to completely shift our mindset because I was a, a certified personal trainer at one point before FDN. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's just like, I, because I'm a 21 year old guy and they were telling, they were recommending at the time that I kind of limit my exercise to just walking. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I need to be like lifting weights and doing all this stuff. Yeah. Well, I took a week off. That's all it took, like a week off. And I'm, I hope I'm not off putting to you. I'm always very transparent on this um, podcast. I will word it appropriately. Um, my libido came back quite strongly in that week, Rhoda, that, yeah. you know, I had started doing things a little differently and I just, to me, that was the motivating factor, especially as a 21-year-old guy. I'm like, oh, wow, this is actually working. And then it's like, my body's under that much stress. Like, I thought I was just a lower libido person. I'm like, this is how I'm supposed to feel when I'm not under constant stress. Wow. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, so we do have to change our paradigm sometime and really cha challenge what we think we know about health. Um, and it's not always... We also have to understand the goals, right? Like with a classic personal trainer, I have a lot of friends in the bodybuilding space. Guys, we have to stop equating that 100% to health. Yeah. Fitness is a part of health, but, but you know that doesn't mean all of that stuff is necessarily going to get you uh, where you want to go. So um, I'll get off my soapbox there, but those are just a few important things. You said a lot of great stuff. How did this eventually lead to FDN? Because this guy that you were working with is not an FDN. Um, you know, he did stuff like it. So what led to you actually pursuing this course and how did you find it? Yeah, so um, I mentored with um, that coach for a few years. Um, um, the coach who helped me get my health back on track, I actually mentored with him for a few years. Um, and I helped people like organically in my network Um through what I was learning through him, but it wasn't really something that I was, you know, actively following as a health coach. I actually really just mentored with him because I was just so fascinated with what his method was and um, I just wanted to learn more. And then um, and then I kind of had a, had a feeling that I wanted to start helping others because of my massive transformation and just how much it changed my life. I just wanted right. people to help. But what I, um, as I started getting more clients, um, I, it kind of bothered me that I didn't have any public liability insurance um, to cover me just in case for that reason any of my clients wanted to sue me. I, I just wasn't covered and I couldn't be covered through 
what I what I was doing, you know, through just mentoring with him. So he actually mentored, he actually uh, recommended the FDN to me. Um, and um, FDN is listed here in Australia as an authorised course through the IICT, um, and they offer full insurance to FDN graduates. So, um, so my initial reason was just to kind of get insurance, um, and um, so it kind of sounds like a really boring reason, but that was my initial <laughs> reason. Um, and, um, yeah, so, yeah, that was my initial Reason. That's fine with me. I think that's a good shout out to what we do. The fact that you can come here and get to do all this stuff, get access to the labs, get access to insurance. I mean, yeah. um, we're doing something right here. You know, it's getting noticed for a reason. So yeah. I actually think that's that's not a reason that people would typically say. But yeah, yeah I mean, that's actually a really good thing to explain to people. I, I don't think many people would be aware of that. And yeah. I certainly don't emphasize it enough, admittedly, on the show. So that's cool. Yeah. Um. All right. So when did you end up starting the course? Because you're uh, if I'm not mistaken, you're a relatively new graduate. Is that correct? Yes. So I started the course in May 2020. Yes. Um, and I finished it in December 2021. Um, okay. So, yeah, and it's um, we're in March 2022 here, so I am relatively new to um, to kind of graduate graduating. Um, but I just do want to say that um, while my initial reasons for joining the course uh, was for insurance, um, there were uh, it kind of that was that definitely. I, I'm so I'm I'm so uh, happy to have found this course because um, I don't know if you want to go into now sort of why what I found what I found beneficial beneficial in the course it kind of opened my eyes I, I I didn't realize this course would be as good as what it is um when I first started <laughs> I was initially getting it for insurance you know <laughs> so we can go into why but um yeah it's um it's definitely um exceeded my expectations for sure I mean perfect that sounds like a, a good time to me and you kind of beat me to it in that sense so yeah I mean what were you finding when you went through the FDN course because I mean we get uh, for those that don't know we give lab tests to our trainees so you literally are required and it's a fun requirement in my opinion yeah. um, to take these labs while you're going through the course and you're going to learn quite a bit so yeah I'm curious as to even labs aside just all of the cool things that you learned and what you liked most yeah tell yeah. us yeah well we'll start with the labs it was great actually to be able to um, get my own labs done and see where I was at because as you've already kind of heard I've I'd already been through quite a journey um, and um, it's funny when you go through this sort of holistic health space um, you don't just do a test follow some protocols and then you're done you know like I think it's kind of a lifetime worth of maintenance and tweaking and all of that sort of thing so it was really exciting for me to get all of these tests done that um, I wasn't not um, that I would not, that I haven't really heard about before. Um, usually I just done blood work. So, um, it was great to get that, um, different opinion just to sort of see where I was at. And there was definitely some things that I could work on. Like my, um, uh, yeah, my normal bacteria was still pretty low. So like just little tweaks that I found that I was like, oh, okay, all right. So let's just make, let's just sort of tweak that. Um, but really good to see for me that, um, overall, um, everything looked pretty good. So it was really nice for me to um, to kind of see that um, all of these hard work that I'd put in towards my health was still there, you know, so, um, so that was really good. So for me personally, it was good to get my own labs done. But then um, what I saw in FDN as a coach was that it was a wonderful complement to what I was already doing in the blood work space. Um, and while my coach, uh, my mentor was extremely knowledgeable and taught me so much um, what I found was that um, having access to all of the um, like hundreds of different lab screenings and um, and being authorized as an FDN um, practitioner to be able to issue those tests as and when I need um, was something that I would never be able to have access to if I didn't find FDN so just having that in my tool belt was a was I felt like a massive um, benefit, um, and um, I really felt like having access to those labs really is that it really meant that uh, for my clients no stone is left unturned for them. 
Um, and I can really help people um, for sure find their healing opportunities um, and what they need to work on. It, it just kind of really kind of, it was very um, complete. And I really liked um, the fact that there were further study opportunities. So once I, now that I've graduated, I'll probably spend the next 12 months trying to kind of get clients and build my reach. But um, after about a year, I, 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 there's so many um, mini courses and extra qualifications that I definitely want to take up. So I feel like things don't just end when you graduate. There's a lot um, there's a lot that gets opened up from a learning perspective and learning is a massive um, value of mine. So that really appeals. Um, so uh, that's another kind of thing that I, that opened my eyes to. And the other thing was that there's a real clear structure and formula with FDN that, um, that I like. So with my mentor, he taught me so much, but then I had a lot of knowledge but I didn't necessarily know how to put it all together for my clients so um, having that structure is really helps with my confidence and um, yeah it really helps with my confidence with knowing exactly how to help people so while everyone's different and everyone's labs come out back different and my protocols will be different 100% of the time for people but the formula and the template that I use is the same and that to me as a coach is really, um, it's quite comforting. Uh, it really helps me um, be confident to know that I can actually help everyone using that formula. Um, and the last thing is the support. Like, so um, there is so much support, almost too much. Like I almost have like so much to watch and look at and read <laughs> every single day that I'm like, oh, I'm going to miss something really important. You know, like there's just so much support. Um, I'm also a member of the FDN Thrive, which is like a, it's a fairly new thing uh, once you graduate um, to graduates who can, um, it's like a stepping stone um, and it's just this extra support that you get. Um, you can actually potentially have access to real clients as well through them. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's just, um, I really feel like if I have a question, I can definitely get it answered um, and I uh, definitely have that support for um, myself and it also helps me help my clients better. So, again, yeah. I really wow. Like that. All right. So many cool things. Um, and I think that's, it's the toughest thing. And I like emphasizing it a lot. Like the community slash support, we'll kind of group those in the same thing for today's sake. You know, it's what business isn't going to say nowadays that they have the best community or best support or whatever. Right. But man, I mean, we're not perfect at everything. I know that. Uh, but it's hard to argue that the support's better somewhere else. I mean, I think it's because everyone comes into this for the right reason, you know, um, maybe even if it for you, you're trying to get insurance, but you still had the issues. You still came in here with the right heart, you know, for this type of work. And I think it just makes a place where it's like kind of hilarious because we have the staffed mentors in our professionals group, which people can like, you know, pay to join after graduating. It's really cheap and, you know, they get access there. But let's be honest, if I ask a question in that group, half the time, it's not even the paid mentors that are answering, even though they do answer quick. It's normally someone from the community, right? Helping out and just wanting to give a hand. And I think that's amazing. I mean, that's hard to replicate anywhere else. And I've talked to Reed before and he's like, you know what? I didn't even know that that was necessarily going to happen when I first started all of this. But here we are all these years later and, and that's how it worked out. Out, so it's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, now, all right. So I'm curious because again, it's a newer thing for you, but certainly working with people is not newer. So who, what niche are you trying to serve? Have you even thought about the niche thing yet? I feel like you're someone who might, I've already thought about that. Uh, yeah. So I, um, I feel like when you're thinking about your niche, it's, um, it's got to relate to your, well, for me anyway, it's got to relate to my own personal story. Cause I feel like I can, um, relate more to people when I've been through similar, you know, something similar. So my niche mm -hmm. is pretty much kind of who I was when I first started my health journey. Um, and so the way I kind of explain it is that I help um, business owners, entre entrepreneurial types um, fix their spiraling health issues so that they can best show up in work and life again. So it's, um, and so, yeah, so that's kind of my, my line that I use um, and the biggest things that people generally have um, that I see are things like fatigue, 
um, digestive issues around bloating and neurological issues like anxiety, that sort of thing. So those are kind of, um, yeah, that's kind of my niche, if that makes, if that's yeah. the way to explain it. No. No, and it's a and it's a common one because we need. I think uh, us type A or high performance type of people, we're pretty much. It's not that anyone can't get sick, but like my goodness, we are obviously the first ones to do this because we are adding unnecessary stress to our lives. <laughs> so yeah. when we have the issues with the modern world and how it is, and then you know we add on a certain type of personality, yeah, uh, that is going to be more prone to getting sick. So, yeah. um, <laughs> what are your goals now? Are you looking to, like, is this going to be a full-time thing for you? I- ideally, right? That you're just going to be able to do FDN as this work or what will your life ideally look like in a few years? Yeah. So, um, if, um, so health coaching is, is, is my, uh, focus. Um, I also have, um, I'm also helping, um, my husband, um, and I have a, uh, a scaffolding business, um, here in Australia. Um, so I'm kind of a, a joint director of that. So, um, so yeah, I kind of do work on that at the same time, but, um, yeah, I kind of juggle the two. Cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean the, the, the people I help is kind of, it's very similar to us as, you know, you know, when you're an entrepreneur and you have your own business and you just want to be the best at everything. You know, like in the end, so <laughs> no, no, kinda, no, no, no. You, know, you have that thing where you just want to really live life. You know, especially now that I've got my health in order, and I'm just so much more clear-minded. Um, and um, and it's kind of not necessarily just about me. It's about kind of helping, 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 making a contribution to society. Um, and so I'm really looking the way the people I look for are kind of just people who really want to optimize their life. You know, because with health, if you you optimize your health and everything else opens up and I'm just sort of the people I help are just kind of those people who just want that leading edge in life and just want that kind of almost like that kind of that uh that yeah that leading edge and that extra benefit um and it's only kind of when you start the journey as you realize just how powerful um getting on top of your health is yeah there's really nothing like it I mean and again as someone who uh, really relates to that with having like a more entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. I, I was in a weird position because I was, you know, like you kind of sick from a young age. And at 18, I'm like, I kept thinking, I guess I had time for this, like in the back of my head. Okay, cool. Like I'll just get healthy one day. I'll get healthy one day. And then, you know, I'll just focus on the work now. But the truth is my work became 10 times more efficient when I finally took that responsibility and got my health under control. So now everything works better. I'm healthier. I feel better. And I'm able to work more and do more consistently because I'm not dealing with like extreme fatigue or, you know, depression all the time that that's not really a, a life for people to to be able to work like that. So it's, you know, it's kind of good to get this stuff on, um, on the top of our priority list, I should say. Mm. And I I would hope that even as someone again, who is highly goal oriented and very entrepreneurial guys, please, you know, there's more to life than that. I'm not saying it's not a worthy pursuit. I love it too. Obviously Rhoda loves it, but it means nothing. If you're sick, it's so crazy. The people that come to us and I mean, they might have, five million dollars in the bank but they're sick as dogs and it's kind of hard to enjoy that money when you're doing that the only thing you're going to be spending that money on is bills from cool toys that you have that you can't use right now because you're too sick and very uh expensive doctors before you find the fdn philosophy you know what i mean so you're going to just waste a bunch of money doing that um I'm curious, what would you say the number one thing that you learned about like for your own health is within the FDN program? And I know there's so much, but I feel like you're like me where our paradigms just constantly getting, we're getting shifted the more that we did FDN. So was there anything that just like totally shocked you? You like never even thought about this as an aspect of health? Um, I think for me, when I first started FDN, uh, everything... I was very focused on gut health um, and through – and so what I realized through FDN was that obviously gut health is so important, massive cog in the wheel, but um, I kind of seen the body um, as a whole rather than just the gut. So that was the biggest learning I've heard. Like, So I learned a lot about hormones and a lot about detoxification and just not necessarily – but then just all the fact that we kind of – that the body is a whole and we're always, that we're just looking at everything, not specifically, but just kind of 
not pulling out a part of the body and saying that's what I focus on, you know, like just realising it's just that one whole thing um, and being able to kind of um, look at it like that um, has been my biggest learning in, in FDM. I would say that's a pretty important one too. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be amazing if the entire medical system, both functional, Western, whatever, natural, everything under the sun, um, it'd be amazing if we all just agreed on that because mm-hmm. it's so unfortunate in a sense, looking back and seeing that I went to the dermatologist and they saw my cystic acne. Mm-hmm. I went to, well, I never even was recommended a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but I went to my family practitioner and, you know, they saw the, um, the mental health issues or the GERD and it was all separate stuff. It was never once connected. Mm-hmm. And it, it sounds so simple, especially because this is becoming more and more a thing. And I think the internet spreads things very fast and I'm grateful for that, but it's Phil, you can talk to so many people, more people than not, at least in America. And I'm sure it's the same in Australia where they just don't even think like that. And it's not like it's, these people aren't stupid, but if you're not in the medical field, why would you ever challenge it? Why would you think differently than the normal medical field? So you just think, okay, yeah, you have acne, you go to the dermatologist, you have a headache, you go to the, well, maybe not the neurologist right away, but you might end up at the neurologist or something along those lines or the ENT. Mm-hmm. And so we we need to shift that whenever something is appearing on my skin or whenever I'm getting a headache or whenever I'm having like a bad day, I need to ask, and I do this automatically now, I think all FDNs do at some point. What is going on in my whole... I never am looking at my skin and saying, oh, I must need more cream or something like that. (laughs) If something's going on in my skin, I'm immediately thinking about anything else but my skin, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's just the paradigm we eventually learn to operate under, and it's one that's quite effective. I would never want to be dogmatic about something, but my God, if I'm going to force anyone to think one way, it would certainly be thinking that way. I think we'd make a lot of progress with it. Yeah, it's very very empowering when you're you're, um, that in touch with your body. Um, because a symptom is really just a, a little clue that your body's giving you. And um, when you can tap into that, it's, um, yeah, as I said, it's very empowering. I think that's, uh, I love that you use that word because it's one that comes up for me a lot on here. There, and I hope most people never understand this, but I remember um, an acupuncturist that I have locally, and he's a great guy, but we challenge each other respectfully. He asked me one time with such a genuine curiosity, it wasn't um, with malintent. He said, Ev, don't you think all those lab tests that you guys use, he's like, don't you think it puts something in people's heads once they see the lab results? And I said to him, one, I'm like, well, first of all, I'm so glad that you've never been sick enough that you don't know what it's like to have the empowerment feeling that comes from those results, right? But then number two, I explained it to him. It's just, it's exactly the opposite these people know that they feel bad but they don't know why they feel bad (laughs) right so telling them that the lab tests don't look great that's not something that's going to cause them bad things that helps them because now they finally have something to work on it's no news to them that they don't feel good or look good right it's not actually knowing why so it's a place of empowerment truly and we take the steps that we can and sometimes do we have to live a slightly different life than those around us yes but the other side of that is you will eventually most likely surpass the health of most people. Mm-hmm. You know, um, even at 42 years old, there's not many 42-year-olds that aren't on medications. That's actually yeah. a very true thing in the U.S. By 60, 65 years old, the average American's on five or six different medications. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, it's that same, is crazy. It's the same here in Australia, like that type, those types of stats. Um, <clears throat> and I just, I, I, I just want to say, like, I don't know, have you heard of the um, Australian cricketer Shane Warne? Have you heard of him? Oh, no, no, no. Okay. Well, yesterday, um, it was just all over the news here. He's, he's really famous in Australia and he died at uh, the age of 52. Um, and he's always been like a real character, but, um, but he's, he's always been, you, you, you always know he's never put health first since he, uh, even when he was playing cricket. And, um, yeah, he died at age 52 and it's just, it's really like made me realize just how, you know, you can have everything. Like he's left something like a $50 million estate, uh, behind, he's got a family, all of that sort of thing. And he pretty much has everything. Um, but he just didn't have his health. And it's just like, makes me think like somebody like that to die. So to die so young, um, it just really kind of shows why we do what we do, you know, because health is really that foundation and you can have everything in the world, but, if you don't have your health, you know, something like that could happen. And it's just, it's just really tragic, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah. Well said. Yeah. And it's, 
I always think about that. I'm just, I've always thought like this. I'm not sure why. Then I use, it was like a negative thing when I was young, but it turned into a positive. I've just always been like very aware of how limited our time is here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I look at my one grandmother right now. She's 76. She just turned it in January and I'm 26 and I'm like, wow, I only get, because I mean, you know, she's in great shape right now and I hope that she lives a lot longer, but let's be honest. What is she going to live to a hundred? Probably not. Mm -hmm. And let's say she does. Well, that means I only get three more of what I've already had. And what I've already had has gone by in the blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. Do I really want to spend that with feeling like crap or being super overweight or not mm-hmm. strong or fatigued? Guys, That's there is no amount of money that's going to outweigh that. And guess what? Once you get healthy again, you can go pursue the money. Go help other people and make it. No one's saying don't do that. But you put that first. Uh, I don't know who says the quote. It might be the Dalai Lama, actually. But it said, like, man, you know, sacrifices their health to make the money. And then they have to spend all their money to get back their health. Yeah. It's just a very, very silly thing. Learn the balance. Learn what you can and can't do. Are some people going to be able to work more hours than you? Probably. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Then you learn to work efficiently. I love um, the one woman from FDN, Jen. Maleka, you know, she has a rule where she will do her best to not work over 40 hours a week. Mm. And Jen Maleka does quite well for herself in those 40 hours per week. You know, she does exceptionally well. Mm. And the reason that she does that is because she realized, you know what, when I pushed too hard before, that's when I got this autoimmune disease. Mm-hmm. That's when I got the skin cancer diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going back there. She figured out her health. And yeah, she's doing fantastic helping so many people and getting paid fairly to do it. Mm-hmm. So it, it can be both, right? Yeah. But we got to prioritize the intelligent one first. Yeah. Money can be taken tomorrow. Inflation's through the roof. You have your health and you know what to do with it. That's that's pretty hard to take away from someone. Yeah. So um, yeah. Cool. we got like a little motivational talk going on yeah. almost here at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So with that all said, we'll wrap it up here a little bit. I have two more quick things for you. Number one is even though that you're just starting out, I I know that our audience always resonates with each individual who comes on. There might have been someone that's listening for the last 50 episodes. And for whatever reason, Rhoda is the person that they really like. They might be listening from Australia and they're like, wait, that's an Australian. I, I want to go work with her just for that reason, you know? So that could totally be the case. So where is the best place that people can find you if they'd like to get in contact with you? Yeah, the best place uh, that people could find me would be on Instagram. So my handle is Rhoda Schofield. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it'll be on the show notes, I'm sure. But yep, uh, yep. so, yeah, that's the best place. Um, I'm, I'm on there a lot. And um, yeah, feel free to DM me or comment on anything. And I'm always available um, to, uh, to be there for you. Um, Excellent. Okay. And yes, we will have that in the show notes for sure. And then our signature question that we always finish up with on the Health Detective podcast, and this isn't a trick, you know, I know that we know of bio-individuality and everyone's unique, but it's just a fun question to answer to the best of your ability. Uh, So in this case, the question is, if I were to give Rhoda a magic wand and you could get every single person in this world to do one thing for their health, whether that's literally do one thing or stop doing one thing, what is the one thing you'd get them to do? Wow, good question. I would say to introduce a self-care practice into their day. Um, So whether it can even be as little for as little as five minutes, but some kind of self-care practice. Uh, I feel that the balance between the doing and the resting is um, is not there for most people in today's day and age. So just trying to kind of create that sort of parasympathetic rest state. And I, I need to follow my own advice there <laughs> as well. Um, so, you know, that could be... Um, you know, a five-minute meditation, which is really easy to find online. Um, it could be um, breathing, you know, like just a 10-minute a, a, yeah, a, a breath work. Again, something you could find online. Um, it could be just going out and taking your dog for a walk. You know, anything that kind of just stops you from the doing um, <clears throat> on, a, on a daily basis. I know that sounds like, but... Um, Yeah, I just think that that would just do a world of good for so many people. 
All right, my friends. Well, I hope you enjoyed our first conversation with someone who was live in Australia at the time of recording. I think it's kind of bittersweet. The bitter part is that it shows that there are people all over the world dealing with these things and that there are, quite frankly, injustices going on in the healthcare system around the world. But the sweet part is that there are people like Rhoda out there around the world fighting the good fight, sharing truth, and doing this work, and really probably just being a light for people that desperately need it if they've been through the ringer with the chronic health stuff. So, Rhoda, I commend you. I, From my understanding, I don't want to sound ignorant, from my understanding, it's pretty rough over there right now. I mean, it's pretty rough in the United States right now, but Australia, I've heard, has been a little tougher with the functional side of things and the natural side. And it takes someone who's pretty brave and has some guts to go up against that and say, hey, no, this worked for me. I'm not going against you, but I'm saying that you need to hear me too in the same way that I'm hearing you as well. I commend you for that, and please keep doing what you're doing. There are hundreds, if I'm not mistaken, of FDNs out there in Australia. We have a whole mentorship team just for them right now. So if you happen to be an Australian listener and you're looking into different functional health courses and you want to know, well, can they get me access to the labs? Can they train me with the proper numbers and metrics that would be needed in Australia? The answer to all of those things is absolutely 100% yes. That is what the FDN course is designed to do. And we do have customized things for people in certain parts of the world. It's not that we have it customized for every single country ever yet. But yes, uh, Australia is one of those countries that we can accommodate for. And so if you're interested in learning more about that and you want to pursue this as your work, or just learn more about your own health and you really want to dive deep, then go to www.fdntraining.com. You can also go to functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com. They will both take you to the same place. And then you can click book a call. Of course, you can find out more information as well. But I would just book the call because we have a team of course advisors, uh, course enrollment advisors, excuse me, that are not salesy. They are very conversational. You can literally call almost any time of the day from like 9 a.m. EST to 9 p.m. EST. And if that does not work, of course, you can just schedule one and get it arranged ahead of time. So listen, we're looking forward to talking to you guys again soon. I will be back with yet another interview and two episodes from now. Yes, two episodes from now. I got a pretty big name in our space, someone who has tried literally, literally everything that you can possibly think of, and he's learned a heck of a lot during that journey. So we'll talk to you guys then, but until then, take care.